Blog Talk Radio. Om Shabbat Shalom, Holy Way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom, I sense your presence. Om Shabbat Shalom, Holy Way of the Most High. Om Shabbat Shalom, I sense your presence. And I am the light within your soul In the essence of truth and right Love makes the circle whole And here we stand in line Waiting for some sacred sign But to find the balance is the purpose of this time to restore the balance of the universal mind And in the presence of my Lord of light and love Everything I see aspiring to be free And when I call to thee And come on bending knee Surrender to the all-pervading light and love Reflections of the one surrounding me with love And I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence Within and without, above and below, yeah. East, west, north, and south, I sense your presence. Without and within, below and above, yeah, yeah. East, west, north, and south, I sense your presence. I sense your presence. Surrounding me with love 
For to find the balance is the purpose of this time To restore the balance of the universal mind I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence
and then my first two books, Activating Compassion, its companion workbook, and I do have a fifth uh, book coming out that I'm a co-author on called Embraced by the Divine, and that is coming out this spring. Uh, It will be the first piece of the release on that, so you can look for that to go up on my website as well. Um, Also, if you enjoy the show today, make sure you're sharing it with people, family, friends, you know, even just there on the social media, click the share button and let them know because I know every time I share something, people are like, this is so interesting and oh my gosh, I'm I'm really looking forward to the show where I just really needed to delve into this topic. I was just discussing this. So you, you never know, you might just change a life by clicking that share button in there. I do keep all the shows archived on my website as well. It's on my page of the Main Street Universe tab. And again, my website is jessianicholsgeorge1.com. And then also, usually about uh, a week or so after the show, it's available on my YouTube channel. And again, you can get it as a podcast through iTunes and tunein.com. Now, before we get started, those of God by Yehuda Berg and love Yehuda's work because he takes the big concepts, he puts them into the everyday language and brings them into some great insights for us to take a look at. And this also goes on my page of the Main Street Universe tab on my website, by the way, and that way you can go back and reflect on it throughout the week. So the name we're working with today, the common name, is Passion. And the little message that he has that goes with this is, To truly ignite the power of prayer, we first need a fire burning in our own hearts. And the insight he goes on to give on this is, a story is told of an old man who could neither read nor write. He desperately wanted to offer a prayer of gratitude to the Creator from a sacred prayer book, but he was unable to read the words on the page. However, his desire to connect to his Creator was great. So he began reciting the alphabet. He begged the Creator to assemble the letters into their proper sequences to form the words of prayers. A strictly religious passerby heard the old man reciting the alphabet. He laughed at the silliness of the man's prayer, and at that moment the gates of heaven were forever closed to the prayers of the religious men. In fact, the angels danced with joy as the old man's simple, sincere prayer ascended to the upper world. The old man had illuminated heaven with the yearnings of his heart. And the meditation Yehuda gives on this is, this name stokes the fires of passion in your heart and in your soul. These letters give you the power to maintain sincerity, devotion, and correct consciousness in your prayers, your meditations, and your spiritual connection. So the common name here is passion. The formal name on this is Ayan Mem Mem. Again, that's Ayan Mem Mem. And you can find that again on my page of the Main Street Universe tab on my website. And uh, again, that's jessianenicholsgeorge1.com. So a little insight now into our topic here before we go to break and and bring our guest on today. Because I tell you, I've got a fascinating guest. And those of you that love to go deep into topics and really get your head going around and you love the quantum physics types of things, you're going to love today's show. You're really going to love it. And this is going to be one, like I said, you're going to want to share this one. (laughs) So 
taking a little insight here, give us something a little to think about before we head on break. Is life really just a game? If it is all a bunch of mathematical statistics, can we really still have a choice? And can you ever really stop playing the game with another? Now, it is likely I could write probably multiple posts delving into the areas of games people play, controlling games, self-gaming, and so on. However, it's going to be interesting to ponder even a point two in this post. And for many, when they think of a game, they think about people who are being phony or trying to control them. It has carried a negative stigma. However, there are at least parts of games that can be very valuable, such as working with the areas of our brain draws on creative strategy and being able to predict with a reasonable level of accuracy what someone will do or the choices they will make. It will be used to help us really foresee what is likely to happen based on the choices that we make in our lives, sort of like having our own crystal ball into the future. It is said that all of life not only includes vibration, but is based on mathematical formulas and patterns. Yes, number patterns. Even vibration is based on this. Illusion or reality, there's an aspect of this. However, what is interesting is the more evident role that this will take in the upcoming years in society and culture. Let's face it, gaming is used for just about anything and everything. Governments use it in war, to police us. Top banking families use it to keep control of things. Media and marketing uses it to lead us to buy certain products or to drive in certain directions. Create fear in people. In one town, we can pretty much predict a full-blown war breaking out while creating it in another town, and people will bond together. You know, There's so many ways that it's used. Lewis Harrison is somebody that is specifically focused on applied game theory. He has learned how to help people win at, the, at life through his work and is focused on creating increasing love, freedom, emotional balance, mental clarity, spiritual inquiry, and a sense of proactive, sustainable community within our, our society. And he is a modern-day, I would say, kind of alchemist and strategist, helping others to tap into their inner alchemist and strategist as well. He's helping people to use strategy towards their own evolution and to bring so-called divine attributes into culture and society. Given that we are not going to alleviate all aspects of strategy on this earth and that our ability to choose through free will is strategy in motion, it seems it is worth refining our skills in this area. Now, what is interesting is due to free will, we always have the ability to change the game through choosing our own strategy. From what I notice, there will always be a certain amount of competition, if not with others, then with ourselves, and that doesn't have to be a bad thing. Competition used in an evolving world and soul can bring development, awareness, openings, and awakenings, leading us to draw to deeper levels of knowledge and create. In other words, competition can be a great motivating source that doesn't have to be about beating someone else but brings out one's own personal best. It seems to me that learning of such formulas and strategies could be really beneficial. After all, in its own way, it is a more widely accepted version of other science-based tools such as astrology, numerology, lexigrams. 
as with many things in life, seems to be to use it as a guide for wise decision-making and to build skills of creative and strategic thinking needed in the world. While many spiritual people don't like the aspect of being strategic, it is one aspect of how we can connect with wider ranges of people. After all, authors don't tend to put a book out without some sort of marketing strategy. A businessman doesn't open a community a company without a plan of action. An athlete doesn't get to the Olympics without a training plan of some sort. How do you find gaming woven into your life? Have you found ways to use it to create a more loving world? And do you have strategies that you have found to be successful? This week, our guest focuses on a component of compassion related to the aspect in my books of creating a new world, which reminds us that our choices and strategies allow us to create a wonderful world full of loving energy. I'm going to take a short break, and when we return, I will have Lewis Harrison sharing his work and apply game theory and evolution. The song I have for you during our break is The Chosen One by Claire Hedin. And if you'd like to find out more about her work or connect with more of her music, you can definitely do so at www.clairehedin.com. That's C-L-A-R-E-H-E-D-I-N.com. And we'll be back shortly. Your eyes shine with kindness, your hair curls with joy, your heart lights the bedroom, your grace fills the sky, you are the chosen one, so bright just like Oh! 
You are listening to Activating Compassion Radio. My name is Jessie Ann Nichols-George, and I am your hostess today. You were just listening to a song by Claire Hedin called The Chosen One. And again, you can check out more of Claire's work. She's got a whole variety of music as well as doing other things and session work with people and all kinds of really cool environmental stuff um, on her website at www.clairehedin.com. That's C-L-A-R-E. D-I-N.com. And I'm very grateful for both Claire and Shemshai for allowing me to use their music on my show. Now today I have with me a really interesting guest. You're, you're going to love this guest. And this is Lewis Harrison that's going to be with us today. He is the creator of Applied Game Theory. Um, at least he's developed that up into our, our evolutionary process. Lewis is a best-selling author of books on personal development, a meditation teacher, practical philosopher, contemporary spiritual teacher, and the host of a radio show, That Was Then, that was then This Is Tao, that broadcasts weekly through an NPR known as National Public Radio affiliated station. Lewis has been a leading force in the self-help and human potential movement since the last or later for the 1960s, and still considers himself to be a young student. We will be looking at Lewis's work today in Applied Game Theory and Enlightenment, and you could definitely learn out more about his work at www.chihealer.com, so that's C-H-I-H-E-A-L-E-R.com. And I'm going to get his mic opened up here. And... Lewis, welcome to Activating Compassion Radio. Well, thanks, thanks for having me. By the way, people who like to deify and are looking for gurus, they can call me the Reverend Ayatollah Imam Rebbe Rabbi Maharaj G. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can remember that, you're ready to study with Lewis. <laughs> yeah, always looking for disciples to clean my bathroom for free. <laughs> <laughs> And and uh, and for anybody who who wasn't sure about that, yes, that was a joke. <laughs> that was that was a joke, <laughs> sorta. 
<laughs> and I just well, want to say, prep people for that because you've got a great sense of humor and, you know, I don't want anybody getting, you know, offended, not really realizing maybe that was a sense of humor out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, My sense I, want of humor. All, I want all your listeners to get their fire extinguishers in case they spontaneously combust while I'm talking. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's a joke. That's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I could see somebody running into the room going, Ma, where's the fire extinguisher? I might spontaneously combust. <laughs> oh, man. Um, you know, on hand when you're on fire. But <laughs> uh, it all started back in, the, in 1972 in County Cork. Um, I, um, yeah. Why don't you ask me a question where you could start there? That would be fun. <laughs> Start, start by sharing with us your journey. Like, how did how did you get into doing this applied game theory work that you're All doing? Right. Okay, well, I was going to go back to 1966, but I can go back to 1991. I saw the movie A Beautiful Mind, which everybody watched that movie because it's an interesting movie about a bisexual schizophrenic who won the Nobel Prize. But I was less interested in all that stuff and more interested in the concept of, of what he called game theory. And and uh, for people that who don't know that that's what the movie was actually about, was that he developed this concept uh, on a piece of paper in a bar. And then 40 years later, somebody came and gave him the Nobel Prize. And so the word game theory sort of was in my head, and it didn't mean a lot. I'm going to tell you what it means in a few minutes, but I'm not going to tell you yet. And, and then I was watching TV, and it was a TV show called Numbers. Are you familiar with the show Numbers? I am familiar with it. Yes, and Numbers was this police cop show about these two brothers, of whom one was a mathematician, and they would use mathematics to solve crime. And they would give you these theories. And, of course, when the break came in the show every 15 minutes on NBC, most people would go to the bathroom or go eat popcorn. But I would go on Google and look up the things they were talking about. And, I, and it was shocking to me that there was actually a thing called game theory. And that game theory was this idea that everything in the world is a game. Uh, there are players and there are you know, referees and there are rules. And that what individuals do is they they organize and they strategize and they make decisions uh, when there's another person or another group of people that can actually affect the outcome of, of your decisions. You're going to change lane on the highway and then someone speeds up ahead of you. Or um, or maybe you're going to listen to this show and, and then your mother called you and said, i got to ask you, or whatever. So, so we make decisions in life, but there are always other people around us unless we live in a cave and, and they do things that can influence our decisions. And so, in a sense, it makes you feel a little bit like you're out of control because you're going to be doing something, not your intention, and then someone comes along and, and does something different. You fall in love with that person and find out that they're nuts. Or, or you fall in love with that, that person that looks like they're really tantric, and you find out they're only tantric in concept, they're actually brahmachari. Or you find out that somebody's a yogi, but they're not really a yogi, they just take yoga classes. Um, and so what happens is that's, that's what game theory was. It was developed by a man named John von Neumann and a whole bunch of people who helped develop the atom bomb and then all felt guilty about it after the fact. So I, I decided to create something called uh, Harrison's Applied Game Theory, which was taking this idea of game theory uh, and, and, and developing it in a way so that I could live a life that was compassionate, 
that made a difference in other people's lives and removed all unnecessary struggle from my life. So in a short version, we would say that applied game theory is a combination of the seven habits of highly successful people, the power of positive thinking, um, spiritual materialism, compassion, and Tony Soprano. <laughs> <laughs> So somebody somebody called me this morning. They had a big. They called for coaching because I do a lot of coaching based on game theory, and they have a tenant that won't move out. They just said they said they were spiritual and they were yogi and they did course in miracles and they're a bad tenant and they won't move out. And I can't get them to move out. You know what did I do wrong? And I I actually this is going to make some of your listeners cringe, and others spontaneously combust. I said to the person. The problem is that when the person moved in, you didn't make them give you their firstborn child. <laughs> so, so, so the, my process in life is is that I love you and I, and I know you and I know you're a human being. And so, if you're a Christian, I'm going to hit you with you probably have original sin. And if you're a Swami, I'll probably say that you struggle with anger, lust, greed, vanity, and attachment all day long while you're working on being enlightened. But whatever the case is, if you break your agreement with me, it's going to cause you an immeasurable suffering, so much suffering that the Buddha couldn't even solve it. Not, not, not violence, not uh, just, just it, it's like the penalty for cheating, like in a game when you cheat and you get penalized, mm-hmm. and, and, and they go somewhere else. So I have this incredible struggle-free life of wonderful people who keep all their agreements. And some of them keep to agreements because they're very spiritual, and others keep to agreements because they have their firstborn child. <laughs> I never know which it is, and I don't care. <laughs> so that's, that's the, the, the essence of the work is that no matter how you want to convince yourself that it's all karma and that a channel told you this and that you're like you're Libra and like Sagittarius is rising, essentially you're playing a game in life. You, you, whether you're a yogi, a swami, a radio talk show host, a tantra teacher, uh, a celibate monk, whatever it is, it, it's a game that you've named, and there are rules in that game, there are referees in that game, there are cheaters in that game, people who say they're playing the game by one way and they cheat. And your job is to have so much abundance from playing the game at the highest level that you can serve all the other people in the world who haven't learned the game yet. How's that for a short version? <laughs> that's that's actually pretty good, you know, to to have all the the abundance, uh, you know, be at the the top. <laughs> yeah, because 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 you, you know the thing is, I'm a good guy, but you can do games to me and be a bad guy. So sometimes I'm serving other people, and sometimes I find someone who's a cheater. And they want to cheat in my game, and I and I I teach them the visualization. I, this sounds so unspiritual, but really it's very spiritual. It's like Seven Samurai spiritual. That if someone wants an introduction to this theory, you have to watch the movie Seven Samurai five or six times without leaving the room. Uh, it's it's a great it's a great. This is real spiritual warrior. People use the term spiritual warrior all the time. And they think it's about conquering your own ego. But being a spiritual warrior means teaching you how to, how to be in the world effectively and efficiently and kindly and compassionately and also being able to deal with people who have evil intention. I'm not saying they're evil, but they have evil intention. Uh, they yes. come out of scarcity. They come out of damage. They're, they're damaged. Their inner child has been brutalized. 
You know, and they and they and they need some they need some real good hard loving, the kind that John Bradshaw can't give them in an in a child weekend. So I I do an exercise in visualization. I think you're gonna find this humorous and again some people may spontaneously combust. When I get people who really have evil intentions, I have them take my visualization class. And in the class, I have to imagine what the worst possible scenario of their life might possibly look like. And then if they cheat around me, that's what their life is going to look like. And then they behave themselves. It's wonderful. (laughs) 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 So that's that's the essence essence of what I do, sort of. Tough love. (laughs) Tough love. That seems to kind of naturally happen in my life when people have ended up burning me along the way or cheating in my game, so to say, um, yeah. creating hardships for me along the way. Uh, you know, and that's not a blaming or just externalizing thing. It's just you know they chose to play the game in a way that made it harder on me. Um, sure. And you know when when this happens, I find that it always comes back and gets them every single time. Yeah, yeah, it does. I, I actually, when I do an advanced class for those same people, I actually have to visualize what life would look like if it was a living hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's the advanced version of that class. <laughs> and, it, and, it's, and it's interesting because I have people who say to me, they're students, and they say, everyone around you is an ex-felon, an ex-junkie, an ex-prostitute, still a prostitute, an ex-whatever, and they all behave themselves. Why? And I say, why? Because they're just imagining what life looking like, like a living hell might be like, and they just behave themselves. <laughs> you know, it's a, I mean, I just gave someone a hard time to they, they told me, they told me, someone called me, who said they were going to call me, they were, they, I called the students, and they asked if they can call me back. And I said, can you call me in an hour, uh, within an hour? And they said yes, and they didn't. And when I called them, I, ta- I gave them a list of all the things that happened in the world historically where thousands of people died because somebody committed to being somewhere by 2 o'clock, and they got there at 2.02. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they're never going to call you late again. <laughs> or they're never, or, or they, or they're going to find another teacher. What <laughs> 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 will lesson be late? <laughs> oh, geez. yeah, it's true. I, I, I got kicked out of landmark education about 23 years ago. I had done like landmark, and they would keep doing the. There's nothing about negative about landmark, but they would every week people would come late, and they'd give them a hard time and then let them in. And I finally stood up one day and said, if you don't lock late people out, I'm not coming back. <laughs> and they said, we're not locking them out, and I didn't come back. You know, well, I don't, I don't want to be around people who wait all the time. Or that thing. I mean, people are starving in Darfur. <laughs> I don't have time to worry about someone struggling about showing up late. I'll let you have compassion. Nothing against you. I'd rather have you have compassion for them. And I'll have compassion for somebody else. <laughs> where, where starvation is more of an issue than having, you know, showing up late. And and these are the things that, you know, we forget. We think, oh, we're having compassion for these people who are running late. But what about all the people that have been sitting there waiting eagerly, wanting to learn the information? Why That's are we true. not having compassion? We have a spiritual path. Where people show up late and commit to being on, this should be an ashram or a yoga class. And if someone commits to being on time, they show up late. You taser them. 
<laughs> they get tasered. That, 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 that'll hold them so up on time. <laughs> it's these small things. Well, it's, it comes back to courtesy and respect. And as you know, in the game field, it's con- it's a controlled play. And, uh, and we've let a lot of people in society slide with those very things. And you, you pointed out a very good thing is that you followed through. When you said, I'm going to do this, you followed through. And I think that's a big part of things as well. When you say you're going to do something, you follow through on it. You actually do it. And well, um, you know what? You know, yes. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I I think that that's a big thing. And I've had people that just didn't believe what I was going to say, like you, you know. And 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 I said, yeah, this isn't going to happen. No matter what you do, this is not going to happen. <laughs> and they well, they're still I, I, not getting it. Yeah, you know what? I don't get it because Joseph Campbell talks a little bit about the idea of initiation. That there was a time where there was a time in tribal societies where they would give you a spear and tell you to go out and kill a lion. And if you didn't make it back, it means that the lion won. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like now you go to confirmation, you you get bar mitzvahed, which is supposed to make you into a man, and like you have a rock band, and your father buys you know a ship and has like the who play at your bar mitzvah, Um, and and you get a degree from college in a pass fail kind of situation. It's, It's like there really is no formal initiation for making you go to the next level in your experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's really key is that initi- initiation. Uh, people, you know, they get a guru and some guy touches them in the head and they get shakti and they see the kundalini. Uh, that's acute initiation for all the states of consciousness. But a real initiation really is about becoming a real man and a woman, both philosophically, intellectually, spiritually, um, on every level, so that you, you're not a, a child trapped in an adult body. I think that's what the real work is really about. People would rather read books by Carlos Castaneda than actually, not, nothing against Carlos Castaneda, even though he made up most of the stuff that he wrote, but that's a different conversation. Um, but people, people would rather just, you know, make up stuff that has no real substance to it and then just give it a name like, you know, Swami Tantra Urban Shaman Weekend. <laughs> I've seen a lot of those. Yeah. 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 I've seen a lot of those. Well, Lewis, maybe you can give us a little idea as far as what are the, the principles or the basics of this applied game theory. Okay, Applied Game Theory says that we're going to do a radio show today. That's the game, radio show. Okay, uh, so we're going to do this in practical. We're going to do it in practical terms. What we're doing right now is a game called Radio Show. And you go, okay, well, what kind of radio show is it? It's a radio interview. So, okay, so what would a great radio interview be, we say, as we we get a, a strategy? Well, it should entertain the listeners. It should motivate the listeners. It should inspire listeners. Uh, so that's how you win. You know, every game doesn't have to have a win, but in this game we want to win. And we want to win is by having people share this with their friends, come back and listen again, maybe go to my website. So that's how you, how you win. So uh, if I tell you I'm going to make it inspiring, motivating, and informational, but I don't do that, I'm a cheater. So every game has a cheater. Somebody who thinks who they know what the rules are, and they know they cannot win without lying or breaking the rules. You with me so far on that? 
Yeah, absolutely. So you can you can never you can never no never have a game. It's almost impossible to have a substantial game without having cheaters. So so when you're in a game with cheaters, uh, what happens is if you don't understand that you 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 either eat or get eaten. <laughs> it's a win lose situation with cheaters. Now now on a more advanced, and the referees by the way, if the game is, is is a solid game, the assumption is there are referees who spot the cheaters and penalize them. However, sometimes a person's strategy is specifically to cheat. Because if they can make a stronger player paranoid, they may be willing to pay the penalty for the cost of making that stronger player paranoid if it'll weaken the other player. A little more sophisticated, right? Right. Now, this is really advanced games. <laughs> this is what I do. In a game where I know there's a cheater, I actually figure out who the cheater is. But I don't let the cheater know that I know that they're the cheater. <laughs> you with me so far? Absolutely. I can now, relate that to the situations in my life. Yeah. If all the other players in the game don't know who the cheater is, and I keep on winning, they think I'm the cheater because I keep on winning. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not really cheating. So they put all their energy into figuring out how am I cheating. But they can never figure it out because I'm not cheating. <laughs> <laughs> Now, what I do is I put things into place that cause the cheater to cheat. (laughs) (laughs) So the cheater is cheating and doesn't know that I know they're a cheater and that I'm the one who's feeding the stuff that's making him cheat. So they keep on coming in second place. Everybody else's resources are being used to figure out how I'm cheating, but they can't figure it out because I'm not cheating. The cheater's cheating but never wins and doesn't know why they're not winning if they're cheating because I'm the one that's feeding him the stuff that's making him cheat. <laughs> now, some may say that that's unethical. They may say, well, you're supporting someone and cheating, but they're going to cheat anyway. And I'm in a game where people have chosen to play and a cheater has chosen to play. So I can't keep them from cheating. That's not my job unless I'm codependent or I'm an enabler. Then I have to go to CA. You know what CA is, right? Cheaters Anonymous. <laughs> yeah, so what I do... There's a different process. See? Yeah. Do you, hear, do you hear the essence of the advanced, yeah, advanced, advanced aspect? It's, yeah. It's, Yeah, because, you know, in a sense, the cheater is kind of like the person who's trying to dominate the world by keeping everybody else suppressed. And so when you are playing by all the rules and you don't play into the cheater's hand, so to say, you you let them keep doing their thing that they're going to do no matter what, um, then... You know, then they become basically they self-destruct is kind of yeah, what I, happens. I, I, actually, I, actually, I actually print a map that says gold mine here, and I hide it. 
So when they break in my safe and find the map that says gold mine here, they go to that gold mine, which I have in Siberia and which has no gold in it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that should get rid of them for a couple of years. <laughs> there's, a, there's a couple of movies that uh, I recommend people watch if they're interested in the concept of dealing with cheaters. One is called The House of Games. And another one is called The Game with Michael Douglas. The Game is not as good, but it's it's good. And uh, and there, there are two films about cheaters. I I've I've heard of The House of Games. I haven't had a chance to see it, but um, but somebody had said, yeah, you you should pay attention to that. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible. I'll, I'll make you laugh. I'll, I promise I will. This is basically what happens. She's a, she's a psychologist. She's a psychiatrist who studies obsessive-compulsive behavior and con artists. And she goes to a place called, I'm not giving anything away here, she goes to a place called the House of Games, where all these con artists hang out. And she says to the guy, I want you to teach me how con artists function. And the guy says to her, absolutely not, but I will take you out to dinner. So she goes out to dinner with the guy, and he slept with her, takes all of her money, and leaves her bare and naked. And she says, you raped me. And they said, no, I didn't. You asked me to con you. And she mm-hmm. said, but you said no. And he said, that was the con. <laughs> <laughs> And and this is this is it, you know. This is the thing that, uh, uh, of course, we know the cheaters always have that opportunity to shift if they want to. Uh, but as you say, there's so many of them. That's what they're here doing. That's what they've chosen to the role they've chosen to play. Absolutely. In and, the, and in this game. This is how we cheat because we are ruled to a large part in some way. Unless we're, go- unless you're an enlightened being, this, you don't count. Okay. Anyone who's a God realizer, an enlightened being, you can just like eat lunch now and come back in five minutes. But for the rest of us struggling souls, we are pretty much guided and ruled by anger, lust, greed, vanity, attachment. And ego. I could say that slower if necessary. So, <laughs> anger, lust, greed. Yes, anger, lust, greed, vanity, attachment, and ego. And the only way that you can get past that is through ruthless introspection. So if a person's doing yoga or, or meditating and chanting and they're getting their shakti pot and they're getting hugged by their guru, God bless their hugging guru. If they're not doing ruthless introspection, if they're not doing ruthless introspection, unless they believe in pure grace, if they believe, you know, that, that you no, know, and you can't, you know, grace does happen, but you don't tell grace when to happen, and that, that's not your game. I always wonder people, like, when bad stuff happens, they think it's their bad karma, and when good things happen, they think it's grace. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, are they cheaters. So, so what happens is people have anger, lust, greed, value, attachment, and ego, and what you must do in order to transcend that is ruthless introspection. You must ask who, what, why, where, and how you got here and why you are here and what is your purpose here. And you may not get an answer, but doing the exercise itself is going to bring you what you need to move you to the next level spiritually. And, and these are big things to look at. 
you know, these are, and because there's so many areas that uh, were in these these different uh, pieces, and we don't even realize it. No, we don't. Or we ignore it. Or we're told it, but we'd rather just get go to uh, Lulamon and get better yoga pants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's, uh, matter of fact, I was having a conversation that, that would have played into vanity yesterday, and I was like, and and why do we all buy into the programming that makeup means that we're beautiful? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and yeah. you know, that guys are telling women that, oh, you know, you, you're not beautiful without the makeup on or things like this. Yeah. I, I mean, there's so many little pieces, and I'm like, maybe I should just start a new phase of not wearing makeup at all. <laughs> well, well, i, I got to tell you, God's, God's, God's practical joke on me, and she's still laughing, by the way, is every woman who didn't want me before I was 40 are all calling me now to see if I'm still married. <laughs> <laughs> They they, they they now they got tattooed muscular guy who smacked him around and I, I, they thought I was too weak and too like whatever. Now they're interested. <laughs> yes. M- meanwhile, my wife has abandoned me and gone to Hawaii for two weeks. <laughs> but she'll be she'll be back. <laughs> I, I I often wonder what some of my exes might think along the way now as they're <laughs> they're looking at yeah. me going, wow, I never saw that side of her. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. It's great. It's wonderful how we grow and how we expand. Yes. So that's the basics of game theory. Game theory says whatever your thing is, if you're a writer, if you're an artist, if you're a tantra master, if you're a swami, if you're a yogi, if you're a physicist, if you're a school teacher, if you're a husband, if you're a wife, you are playing a game. And you can name the game. I mean, if you have, God forbid, you have a child that has a, a terminal disease, you're playing a parent of a terminal disease child game. Who's the doctor? How, how am, I, am I taking care of myself here? Where's my support system? Who are the cheaters? Uh, you, you know, who's making the rules? That, that's how that works. Yeah, and and that's an interesting thing because I think there's always a little bit of overlap between are you in the cheater's game or is the cheater in your game? Um, I'm 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 never cheating unless you insist on being a cheater. Then I just I, there's no boundaries. It's 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 like I, I'll tell you a funny story. We 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 own a we have we own a number we own many houses, and. So this is a real story. So the bank calls and says, are you planning on staying in your house? And I know that that person making that call, this is someone I advised and someone I coached about this. So they call this person up and say, are you planning on staying in your house? And I tell the person to say no because you're supposed to say yes. <laughs> you see, but the, the bank's a cheater because the bank got money from the federal government to bail people out and then didn't bail them out. So right. there's a poor person somewhere in Manila or Mumbai who has a list of a thousand people and calls this poor person up who can't afford their mortgage and says, do you plan on staying in your house? And that person's supposed to say no. <laughs> and then the person the other go, what? No? And they go, no. Well, why not? Because you're going to take my house. And they go, well, we're not taking your house. Nobody's going to take my house. Well, why am I going to take your house? Because I'm not paying my mortgage. Well, why don't you pay your mortgage? Because you won't lower it. So all those answers are like Zen tones. 
to a person reading a script that a bank gave him <laughs> in Manila or Mumbai to call you on the phone. So, so there's a form of tricksters. You know, I'm doing a book now called The Compassionate Trickster Guru's Guide to Creating a Functional Reality. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I think when I may do, you know, we have a lot of time, I'm going to read them the tricksters and you can, like, you can go through them and laugh. And you can ask somebody ask me questions if you need to, because I realize that with game theory, with game theory, the book I'm writing on tricksterism, there's a trickster's code of conduct. <laughs> it's like this. Like this is real shaman stuff, not weekend warrior shaman, New York City can't uh, do some ayahuasca. This is the real stuff. So I just figured that uh, maybe I'll share that with you. We can get a little bit of the last out of it, and it'll. Uh, and we can also go deeper into game theory and all those kind of aspects of it as as we um, have that conversation. Okay. So uh, so this is a this is something called um, the trickster guru's guide. The trickster is somebody. See, there's two kinds of tricksters. There, there's evil tricksters, and there are compassionate tricksters because this shows about compassion. So the compassionate trickster messes with your head. But it's always to take you to a higher place. <laughs> whereas, whereas the evil church was just a cheer, and 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 that's that. So um, there's a whole, there's a whole thing called the trickster code, and I think you're gonna love it, and I think that your listeners are gonna love it. And it basically is it's almost like a Ten Commandments, but right now it's about forty one commandments, and. Um, and we don't have to do the whole thing, but uh, we can just laugh our way through it as 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 we go through it inch by inch, uh, uh, step by step. So the, the, the first fixed rule is that everything is essentially just made up. <laughs> and and uh, if you think that, I can prove it. But let, let, let's go down the line. So so if you have, I'm going to say them slowly. You can you can interrupt me as we move along. How does that sound? That sounds great. It's all part of game theory, but it's trickster game theory. So the game we're playing now is Lewis the trickster, and someone says, well, how'd you become a trickster? And I say, I started out as a shaman, but when everybody else became a shaman, I decided to change what I am into a trickster until everybody starts calling themselves urban tricksters. Then I'll call myself something else. <laughs> so, so this is the first one. Everyone lies somewhere and at some time. That, that's number one. Number two, the truth you ignore will come back to bite you on the ass. <laughs> Three, never lie when you are in a hurry. Lying takes longer than telling the truth. In addition, the time it takes to answer a question may be used by the questioner to detect a lie. <laughs> <laughs> How am I doing, all right? Yeah, yeah, this is good, this is good. Never, never answer a question immediately. Simply ponder a bit. It has been shown that instant answers can be proof of a prepared lie. <laughs> it is always, always better to surprise a questioner by never answering too quickly or by waiting too long. <laughs> Number five, never lie unless it is absolutely necessary. Number six, 
never hesitate or moralize about telling a lie that needs to be told. What, I'm sorry, what was that one? Never hesitate or moralize about telling a lie that needs to be told. Okay. Like, like never say to somebody, you look really ugly without makeup. <laughs> Better to lie. Okay. Seven. <laughs> no one is ne- no one is necessary to lie. Number eight. Ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time, nothing is ever a hundred percent. Am I moving too fast here? <laughs> You're doing good. That's a good pace. Good. How do you know you're not dreaming all of this? That's number nine. <laughs> number ten. A trickster knows the difference between an outlaw and a criminal. A criminal is someone who breaks the law. An outlaw is someone who does things for which there is no law. <laughs> <laughs> Eleven. A trickster needs to act insane to themselves in order to appear normal to anyone else other than another trickster. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm moving right along here. I hope I haven't lost anybody. If anybody's spontaneously combusted, good for you. (laughs) 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 A trickster knows that true insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Number 13, for a trickster, nothing is bizarre ever. It is unique, extraordinary, different, or exceptional. (laughs) The trickster has no regrets about the past and no expectations for the future. The difference between a trickster shaman and a schizophrenic is that schizophrenics usually talk back to the voices in public. Uh, um, Let's see, we're moving right on Okay, oh Any great philosopher, theologian, or ethicist Can probably argue effectively against lying Next Any individual who is sure they will likely die if they don't lie Can probably argue effectively for it And I'm going to finish off here, but we can continue. I just want to give you room to breathe and think. This is the part where people who are really reached your level, they actually get the fire extinguishers, folks. <laughs> here you go. What was, what was that one? Only, I said I, I'm telling them to get their fire extinguishers. <laughs> <laughs> Always have genuine concern for the well-being of the ignorant the stupid and the self-destructive. <laughs> in, a, in a situation where such an individual chooses to attack you, whenever possible, disarm or disable them either physically or psychologically without doing them any harm or causing them to be injured. And if possible, if you're a good trickster, do all of this without them even knowing that you've just done it. <laughs> Any questions so far? (laughs) Not so far. (laughs) Do you want me to continue? (laughs) Yeah, I'm loving this. I'm absolutely loving this. Good. 
I'm good. By the way, if people are interested in studying more of this kind of work, they can go to chihealer.com. C-H-I-H-E-A-R-E-R. Okay. By the way, can I use the F word on your show? <laughs> if you're referring to the four-letter one that ends in a K, uh, uh, no. <laughs> okay. Can I use the word that begins with S and ends with W? <laughs> Um, and has all and has all w between the s and the w at the end <laughs> Pro- probably <laughs> okay it won't be sexual i promise okay. and you'll know that i actually meant to use the f word but i use the s word instead if, if anything can go wrong it will but a skilled twister can see it coming and fix it before it happens screw murphy <laughs> <laughs> When given a choice, take both. And that is from that great yogi, Yogi Berra. (laughs) Change your reality to fit the one you are presented with. (laughs) Number 26, start at the top and work your way up from there. (laughs) (laughs) Number 27, master the rules and then bend them. 28, if you can't bend the rules, rewrite the rules. Number 29, after you rewrite the rules, convince everyone else that they are the real rules. <laughs> so, Number so 30. first of all, we have to master the rules, then we have to bend them, yes, and then we yes. need to convince everybody else that of the new rules. No, no, you missed one. You have to rewrite the rules and then convince everyone else that they're the real rules. Right. Okay. Master, bend them, and if you can't bend them, you rewrite them, and then you convince everyone else that they're the real rules. Everyone else of the real rules. Okay. (laughs) I know you've never heard all this stuff before. Well, you know, this is fun, and, and, you know, part of this and, like, what you're sharing and some people jumping in, they might be, you know, for those jumping in, we're talking with Lewis Harrison today in Applied Game Theory and, and Enlightenment. And yep. we take life too seriously, but if we looked at it as a game, if we maybe looked at it a little bit from the perception of the trickster rules, um, you know, we could get to more of the play and more of the fun of it. Of course. As well, when people tell me running. when people tell me it's all karma, I tell them in your last life I did stuff that made your karma turn out the way it is now. <laughs> <laughs> and if they're not nice to me, I'm gonna do more stuff for their next life. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're attached and I'm not. See, <laughs> number thirty, when forced to compromise, ask for more, or give up everything. Yeah, well, you see, people think everything is compromised. I think nothing is compromised. I think compromise is a delusion of people who don't know what they really want because you can't have the law of attraction. Let's play with this a little deeper rather than just being a glib. If a person really believes in the law of attraction, then compromise doesn't fit. Because if you really know what you need, not what you want, not what you desire, not what you're attached to, not what you're full of crap about, if you really know what you need, build it and they will come. When you don't really know what you need, then you always have to negotiate and compromise. 
Mm-hmm. You know, Which that's is why that's, my wife is in Hawaii. <laughs> that's that's really interesting because I I've been having a conversation with somebody that wanted me to do something, and I'm like, nope, I won't I won't go about it that way. And they they're like, well, you know, it's kind of like, well, you need this, you know, to 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 put you to the next level or whatever, and and it's like you you're not listening. I'm not going to take this action. Uh, in order to get this thing because, you know, it puts me in a position of deprivation. You know, it it puts me further into deprivation. And why, if I'm creating things and trying to help people get out of that space, would I possibly put myself in that place? (laughs) No, I'll tell you why I would. I would tell you why I would put myself in that place. I would say to the person, what are you going to give me to put me in that place? (laughs) And they go, what? Yeah, like you want me to do this thing, like what's it worth to you? <laughs> what? There you go. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's that's what I do a lot. You know, I want to I want I want to give some. Right now, I'm being a little glib, but I want to give people some real trickster game theory skills. Everybody, everybody in life, with rare exception, including probably the Dalai Lama, <laughs> they're either authoritative or they're permissive. They either like being asked what to do or they like being told what to do. And if you have somebody who won't do what you want and you've been telling them what you want and they won't do it, if you ask them, they might do it. <laughs> because the, the thing that's wrong isn't that they don't want to do it, it's they don't want to be told to do it. And I, I find in, in my work as a teacher that I can read people and see who wants to be told what to do and one who wants to be asked what to do. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Absolutely. It, it, it does, and, and it comes back to some different energy aspects that we carry uh, with us. And, yeah, there's a lot of people, they just need to be told. They want to be told what to do. They don't yeah. want to make decisions for themselves. But... Yeah. Yeah, if you're getting that resistance, if somebody isn't taking the action from that space, then uh, then asking them, they're they're probably coming from a different place. Uh, yep, I, I have I have a story I want to tell. It's it's not really all color, but it's a little. But it's specifically for the people who are listening to the show who think they're tantra teachers. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I know it's a clean. I know it's a clean enough story because it was told me by a Catholic priest. So, and Irish, but I, I don't Irish know if Catholic I can vouch for that being clean. If it, <laughs> yes, an Irish Catholic priest from from a poor, from a small village. <laughs> anyway, the story is about a a a, a sadist and a masochist that are both exhibitionists and they got married, and they lived in a town in a glass house where everybody in town was a voyeur. (laughs) So everybody came to watch the honeymoon, figuring that they would see a lot of real exciting action. But nothing happened. You know why? (laughs) Because the master said, beat me, beat me. And the satyr said, no. Anyway, 31, in a zero-sum game, 
where only one person can win. If you can't beat them, join them. Then conquer yourself, and you've conquered them. Ooh. If you can't beat them, join them, and then if you can't... Um... If you can't beat them, join them, then conquer yourself. And when you've conquered yourself, you've conquered them. Oh, that's a, that's a really good one. Um, I know. It gets deeper as the numbers go higher. <laughs> you know, that, again, my mind is just taking on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, if it's worth doing to perfection, it's worth doing with the understanding that there is no perfection except imperfection. <laughs> this is getting deeper. <laughs> yeah, it's getting real deep. I, I can see the flames now. <laughs> There's people going, I should have brought that I should have brought that fire kitchen. By the way, if you want to study with me, go to keyhealer.com. dot <laughs> anyway, com. Anyway. Um here you go. Perfection is never an option. Uh if you can't bend the rules or rewrite the rules, simply ignore them. <laughs> No, here's another one. No means not with this person, not here, not now, and not in this scenario. So to get to yes, ask again or ask another person in a different place at another time in a different scenario. Okay, repeat that one for a minute. No, no means not here, not in this place. And not in this scenario. Okay. So to get to yes, ask again or ask a different person in another place, in another time, and in a different place, in a different scenario. Perfect. Except that there is no perfection. We covered that one in number 36. <laughs> <laughs> Number 38, sometimes the person to get a yes from is one foot and 20 seconds away. Sometimes the person that you can get a yes from is okay. only one foot and 20 seconds away. <laughs> <laughs> don't, next one, don't run when you can walk and don't walk when you can sit still and do nothing. That one can go pretty deep there. Yeah, so law of attraction. It's one way, the action that has no action. It's like being a bird that knows how to catch the thermals and doesn't have to flap its wings. Yeah, okay, great. Good, next one. Bureaucracy is a challenge to be transcended with a righteous attitude, a tolerance for nonsense and stupidity, and access to and influence over a decision maker. <laughs> <laughs> How are we doing, okay? <laughs> we're doing good. I think we're doing good. Want, 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 want me to say that one again for the people out there stuck in line at the, at the post office? Because <laughs> <laughs> it was a long one. Bu- bureaucracy is a challenge. To be transcended with a righteous attitude, a tolerance for nonsense, 
and stupidity and access to and influence over a decision maker. That was specifically for Sally, who's over there in Stanford, that I know is listening to your show. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know if it's for Sally in Stanford, California, Stanford, Arizona, Stanford, Connecticut, or Stanford, New York. (laughs) (laughs) Next one, when in doubt, think. When in doubt, think. Next, if you think and are still in doubt, meditate and engage in ruthless introspection. Then think again. (laughs) (laughs) Number 43, never confuse patience with a lack of persistence. (laughs) Never confuse patience with lack of persistence, yes. I, you know, sometimes I get accused of that one, that very thing, and I'm like, nope, I'm just being patient. It's not, I'm not being persistent. Yeah, no, absolutely. Next, we're coming, we're coming to the last five because if I do the others, people, people will actually explode. <laughs> 44, what you think is reality is just an illusion. Next, most of us will choose the unpleasant familiar over the possibly pleasurable unknown. I'm going to do that one again. Most of us will choose the unpleasant, familiar, over the possibility of the pleasurable unknown. So true. I, I deal with a lot of people that are stuck in that space. Yeah. Here's another one. The quality of your communication is defined by the result it gets irrespective of your intention. Okay, you, you got to repeat that one again. Quality of communication. Communication is defined by the result it gets, irrespective of your intention. Oh, hold on, I'm channeling something. Hold on, I'm channeling. Oh, for Bob in New York City, your fire shock was out of balance. For Bob in New York City, your fire shock was out of balance. Eat more earth. More earth, Bob. Okay, where are we? <laughs> I, I, I channeled that. I heard that from Bob's grandfather. Anyway, here you go. So this is for people who think you're Zen masters. A couple, a couple of Zen cones. Remember, opposites attract, but birds of a feather flock together. <laughs> Don't forget, a stitch in time saves nine, but haste makes waste. (laughs) And the last one for today, and then I'll tell you some stories that we have time. When your enemy's friend is a when your enemy's friend is your friend, no one is your friend, and no one is your enemy. Should I do that one again? Yeah, your enemy's friend is your friend. No one is your friend. No one is your friend and no one is your enemy. (laughs) So that that that's the essence of uh that that's the uh, the basic course in tricksterism. This is an interesting thing. Actually I'm really glad that you dealt with that because I think a lot of people fear the trickster aspect because they're so used to the trickster being the 
the cheater. Um, the trickster is not necessarily the cheater. Well, the, oh, the trickster, but the trickster can be a cheater. But sometimes the reason why he's a trickster or she's a trickster is he cheats and you win. And now you're really confused. <laughs> <laughs> you realize that you wouldn't have won without the cheater. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, so, yeah. You know, I have... Yeah, they can go play, so... What was that movie about? What was that, the movie about dreaming? It was a movie that they made about people who go into their dreams with Leonardo DiCaprio. So everybody loves that movie. Um, uh, it begins with an E, not Invictus, uh, whatever. But but I always tell people how you know you're not dreaming. And, then, and so this is more, more, more shaman trickster stuff, which I have fun with. I say to people, how do you know you're not dreaming? And if they're humble and they want to learn, they say, I, I don't know. And if they're arrogant, they say, well, how do you know you're not dreaming? And then I explain to them, I know I'm not dreaming because I'm not wearing a digital watch. <laughs> and then they say, what does a digital watch have to do with anything? And I explain to them that I have hypnotized myself so that I always am wearing a digital watch when I'm dreaming. But I'm never wearing a digital watch when I'm awake. So if any time I'm doing anything, I keep on checking my wrist to see if I'm wearing a digital watch. <laughs> so, so the person who's a wise guy says, well, what if somebody sneaks a digital watch on your arm when you're awake? And then I explain to them that digital watches don't work in dreams. So it would have to be a digital watch that's broken. <laughs> because digital watches don't work in dreams. Only analog watches do. <laughs> so by that time, they either signed up to study with me, they run for the hills, or they catch on fire spontaneously. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it could be a lot for somebody to absorb if they're not ready for it. <laughs> and, and by the way, I'm on, I'm on 33 RPM right now. You should see me when I'm 45 or 78. Of course, anybody who's under 30 wouldn't know what I'm talking about because those are record playing and they only know about CDs. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, 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 I went to a, a, what do you call it, o not Office Max, a, a Best Buy. I went to a Best Buy and I, I was talking to an old guy who's in his four, I'm in my 60s, but I met a guy in his 40s who's very depressed. He's a guy who used to be the guy who, like, makes the noise on hip-hop, you know, when they have the record on the turntable and they go backwards on it to make that noise. Mm -hmm. He says, nobody knows how to do that anymore because it's all digital. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so so, old school is new school. <laughs> and new school is old school. And all you can really do in life is be kind and compassionate. Everything else is just made up. I think that's a great foundational rule. <laughs> Right there. It is. It is because you know, no matter what you're doing, if you're not compassionate, I don't, I don't care. And it's true. And there's so many layers to that. As I've tried to get, uh, you know, people say, "Oh, that compassion thing. It's so, you know, fluffy and light." And it's like, well, no, not really, because you, you know, you got to bring some pretty hard stuff in on people sometimes and yourself oh, God. in order Compassion's to be the hardest thing in the world. I mean, I if mean, you look what Nelson Mandela did, nothing what Nelson Mandela did. I mean, I mean, how do you forgive the kind of people who murdered all your friends? Yeah, it's 
you know, it's amazing when you get into it. You know, it's not always easy, and and it's not the pushover no. that people think think it is. No, I struggle with it. Every every once in a while, I almost fall into the trap of not making someone give me their firstborn child when they show up with a lot of drama. But my wife reminds me what I taught her, and I and, and I, I, I refer them to someone who's a trickster that I don't like, who's trying to become compassionate. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you do. You see, if you, if you know people who aren't really nice, but they're really trying to be nice, you get someone who's an addict who's looking for a codependent enabler, and you just refer them out. <laughs> That's compassionate because then the addict has a, an enabler, and the enabler has an addict to be codependent with. It's great. <laughs> it's it's a working relationship, and and if it is, it's great. If we acknowledge there's no right or wrong. You know that's a working relationship. Uh, yeah, and God, and God, you know, God forbid if they live in a town with you and there's only three people in town, you have to be both of their sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> now you know my wife. My went. Well, now you know why my wife went to Hawaii for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's like I have to stop spontaneously combusting for a couple of weeks. Yeah, I gotta tell you. <laughs> But she was an ex guerrilla fighter, so I, I got my match when I married her. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you do? I'm a trickster. Yeah, yeah, what do you do? I'm a trickster. What do you do? Oh, I was a guerrilla fighter. Uh, Want to get married? Okay. Yep. We got married. Yes, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, go right ahead. You don't know he got married by a minister who was like the Church of God that he got a mail order before they made it illegal. <laughs> it was the only wedding he ever did. And then I invited all my ex-girlfriends and, and, their, and their gay lovers to my wedding. It was. You know, if you want to see a real thing, I had a friend. This is real. I want to make it. People go, oh, this guy's glib. But what a hot air case this guy is. I'm going to give you a trickster that you can watch for real. For real. I had a friend named Gina Rosero. And I had such a crush on her. Purely superficial. She looked great with makeup, without makeup. She just six foot one of yummy. So anyway, I, I hate to sound sexist. I'm just a guy with testosterone. She she was yummy. So anyway, I really wanted her, but I couldn't have her. I even got my wife's permission, but I couldn't have her. <laughs> so somebody says to me, uh, "Have you seen Tina?" No. What happened to Tina? Oh, she's doing a TED talk. Oh well, she was good looking and smart, but why did she get a TED talk? So, so I, I see. I look. I look it up, and it's, she's coming out. I realize, okay, she's gay. So, all right, you know, she got tired of guys hitting on her, so she's gay. So it's okay. I, I like gay people. I've even thought about being gay myself a couple times. It goes with being a trickster. So, so, so I go on TED Talks and I look up Gina Rosero, and she's giving this. She looks great, man. Great legs, six foot one, good cheekbones, plenty of shiver. Eat your heart out. Anyway, and then she shows a picture of herself when she was 15 years old. And I go, that's a guy. That's a picture of a guy. It turns out that Gina is a post-op transsexual. <laughs> when she was 18 years old, she went to Thailand, did the whole thing, and then came to America. And spent 13 years being the most beautiful woman on earth. 
And then she started feeling for the people from her tribe, the people who used to be guys who became girls, who used to be girls that became guys. Uh, and uh, she became an activist um, for transsexual rights. So you look up Gina TED Talks, G-E-E-N-A TED Talks, you will see her, a great trickster. Awesome. Wow. You go, Gina. But she doesn't return my phone calls now. You see, she's my friend, but now she's got two million hits on TED. <laughs> <laughs> she's too busy to call me. I was with her when I was just hitting on her because she thought she, oh, she was just like a regular girl. <laughs> but it solved the problem for me. Listen, it solved the problem for me. I always had the question, even though I'm not prejudiced against GLBTs, if I fell in love with somebody and I found out that they used to be like a guy before they became a girl, could I still sleep with them? <laughs> I never could answer that question till I saw that video of Gina, 100%. <laughs> Gina, call me, call me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, superficial, my, superficial my, my death has no bounds. My superficiality has no bounds. So... <laughs> Well, you know, this is you're bringing in some so many different pieces that that is, can make my mind tick in a lot of different directions. But you're bringing in a piece to here that hasn't really been talked about, which has to do with being able to enjoy this earth, this planet, this incarnation that we're in. And I think that's a big struggle for a lot of people, so-called, on their spiritual path, is to be able to enjoy the material. Uh, I'm going to tell you. Can I tell you how to do that? Yeah. I got two stories. And by the way, if they're struggling with the spiritual path, they're not really on the spiritual path. They're on the material path, thinking they're on the spiritual path. <laughs> but that's like a trickster. Good so, point. So, so, so two, two stories. The first story is about this guy. This is a story called The House of Yes. <laughs> and and the, I'm, going to do, I'm going to give you the punchline before I tell you the story, the punchline is say yes to everything unless the cost is too high. So all you so-called spiritual people out there that are saying no to everything all the time, that's your problem. So, so here's the story. So there's this guy in the Gobi Desert in Mongolia. It's only a four-minute story. And he sees a guy coming from the distance on a camel. And by the way, you could put a woman in the story. It doesn't have to be a guy, but... That's a guy's story. So, so, so there's a guy. There's a guy coming towards him on a camel, and 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 he's starving for water. This guy, he needs water. I need water. Help! Water! I need water. Help! And and he and he can't get any water. And he sees someone on the camel coming towards him, and and the guy is saying something on the camel, and he realizes what the guy is saying as he comes closer is, neckties, get your free neckties. And he realizes it's a guy in a camel that has hundreds of neckties draped over the camel. And the, it's a Zen story, obviously. So the guy says to him, would you like a free necktie? And the guy says, I don't need a necktie. I need water. And the guy in the camel says, I don't have any water. All I have is neckties. And the guy who's starving says, but I don't want a necktie. I want water. Why do you have all those neckties? And he says, I'm a monk in a Zen monastery. And my Zen master gave me a Zen cone. And the Zen cone was 
to find out what truth is after I've gotten rid of all these neckties. <laughs> and the guy says to him, yeah, but I don't need any like And the guy says, I, I will pay you to take a necktie. And the guy says, I don't want a necktie. So the poor Zen student goes running off on his camel covered in neckties. And our poor starving guy goes crawling through the desert. And after a day or two, he's at death's door. He comes across a small building in the desert surrounded by airplanes, jet planes of every shape and size. And he knocks on the door, and he goes in, and it's the most beautiful pan-Asian restaurant he's ever seen in his life. And all the waiters are Zen monks. And the maitre d' is a Zen master. And the guy says, what is this place? And he says, it's the most reclusive Zen monastery in the world. And all of those planes belong to billionaires who fly here to have dinner and pay $1,000 a plate to support the monastery's work. And he says, what is the work that you do? And he says, the work that we do is teaching people how to say yes. <laughs> and the guy says, he says, how can I help you? And he says, I need water. Can I get some water? And he says, well, you could, but you don't have a necktie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> how's, that, how's that for a story, huh? There you go. There you go. Absolutely. Always say yes to the necktie. Yeah, you know, people want to be spiritual, but what they really do is they bring their baggage with them about sex or about gender or about meditation or about Zen. I get kicked out of every Zen site I ever join on. Your site's the only site that hasn't kicked me off. <laughs> every group I join on, every group I join on, on Facebook, there's, there's, there's a book I wrote called Spiritual Not Religion. I'm serious about this. I have a book on, on Facebook, not Facebook, listen to me. I have a book published called Spiritual Not Religion, Sacred Tools for Modern Times. And one of one, the opening paragraph says, I took this book to a Zen master who told me I knew nothing about Zen, that I should take it to a Taoist sage. So I took it to a Taoist sage who told me I knew nothing about Taoists and that I could show it to a Zen master would be better. So I, I got tired of going back and forth between Taoist sages and Zen masters. So I took it to a priest who told me I was going to go to hell, and then I knew the book was done. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, people want, when people fantasize that they're being spiritual because they're cloaking themselves in the accoutrements of spirituality, rites, rituals, ceremonies, emotional baggage, belief systems about sacred texts, about channeling, about the perfection of their spiritual teacher. It's all just made up stuff, in my mind, in my mind. And I could be wrong. I'm right, I'm right, I'm right 99.9% .9 of the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think, I think like a lot of different things, you know, we're programmed with so much during our lifetime and people program us as much in the sense of this is what's spiritual as they do in the sense of this is what you need to have in life or this is you know the type of job you should have or the type of clothes you should have or whatever um 
So I think there's a lot of programming that we haven't even really acknowledged on the spiritual realm of yeah. of what people are saying. This is spiritual that may or may not be. <laughs> it's the case. Maybe. I have a I have a I have a solution for that. If everybody listening to your show uh, worships me. Uh, gets an altar and puts my picture on it and gives me ten percent of all their income. I'll wipe away all their karma. There you go. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I know there's somebody out, somebody out there's gonna start like putting my picture on their altar. <laughs> oh no, not that. <laughs> if I if I chant to you, you'll uh, <laughs> you'll grant me tons and tons of I'll money, tell right? You. I'll tell you, when I do satsangs, it's, ne- it's never like it's never like promiscuous, gorgeous women who I'm. It's always ex-models who've decided to become brahmachari. <laughs> Those are the only people that show up to my satsangs. <laughs> oh man, what a life! <laughs> and then I'm gonna die. <laughs> but at least you're having I, fun. Uh, it sounds like. I, I'm not, I'm, I can't, you know, you know, the, the, the problem with me is I have so much fun inside of my own head. I have to struggle to get out of my house just to be with other people that aren't as exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. That's my burden in life: being with me and laughing at my own jokes. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is good to be able to do. We should be able to to laugh at our own jokes. Yeah. Yeah, we we said. Well, Lao Tzu says that the serious student is baffled and the advanced student laughs. Yeah. Well, and and, and it's funny. I mean, even yesterday somebody came to me and they said, man, all these things have been going on in your life and all this stuff has been happening to you and and everything. And, And I said, but you're just so at peace. You're smiling and everything. And I'm like, <laughs> well, what else am I going to do? Be grumpy about it? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it is, it is what it is, and I'm, you know, I'm doing what I can to make the changes that I want to make, and yeah. and things like that. And it, it just really, um, you know, it's been such an interesting journey the last couple of months for me. The way people have been identifying and how they've perceived me, and it's, it's been a real eye opener. How many judgments are there and uh and things like that and, and I, I judge all the time I judge all the time myself. And she's smarter than me. She's better looking than me. She's got twenty thousand people in the group. I got two hundred and fifty three people in my group. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody posts on her I post on other people's places. They tell me that I'm breaking the rules of their group and I'm gonna be banned. <laughs> <laughs> I always loved your post. I'm like, you always ask these great questions. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I, I actually want to get in the book of on the Guinness Book of World Records as the person who's been banned from the most Facebook groups. <laughs> <laughs> See, there's something right I, there. I thought you were on a roll I, with you know the person that's been kicked out of the most monastery groups or whatever. <laughs> No, they don't even let me in monasteries. <laughs> they see me come and they lock the door. You know, I, I just got an image that the way to beat ISIS, the, 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 the way to beat ISIS in Iraq is to just drop free, like, uh, like DVD players with copies of Groundhog Day. <laughs> <laughs> and have all those Islamic jihadi crazies just watch Groundhog Day over and over again. <laughs> 
They'll be begging for mercy. <laughs> anyway. For those who are listening, I am the Reverend Ayatollah Imam Rebbe Rabbi Roshi Maharaj Lewis G. <laughs> prognosticator of all prognosticators. God realized and able to pick up all of your karma if you send me postage and handling. Everything else is free. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to do it in the next 60 seconds. It might change your life. <laughs> For those of you over 400 pounds or over 25 years old. <laughs> This is so fun. For people that are tuning in, we're we're talking with Lewis Harrison today, and we're we're having a a great amount of laughs, and and he definitely is uh, working on mastering the the aspects of the trickster and having fun. um, Yes, I I, I am almost a God-realized being. It's that almost plot that just kills me. (laughs) (laughs) It's that almost piece. I'm almost there. I keep telling people, I'm just almost there. You know when you've God realized when somebody who doesn't believe in you throws a pie at your face, that's when you're God realized. All those really God realized people always have someone throwing pies in their faces and then the disciples beat the guy up and break his legs. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're not that compassionate for people throwing pies at their guru, huh? <laughs> Talk about deification and demonization. By the way, my website's keyhealer.com and I teach a course called The Course of Enlightenment. And and definitely, and and you're doing that out of the New York region, right, Lewis? And you've also got... I, I, I don't know. I'm everywhere. I, I'm, nope. I'm doing it on, online. I'm on the telephone with you. I'm, from all you know right now, I'm in Kazakhstan in a cave, hiding out from the special forces. <laughs> <laughs> Which very well could be in your game. <laughs> but you in, in fact, I, in fact. In fact, I'm five foot four, and I'm, in this, I'm actually the center of, of a basketball team of little people. <laughs> <laughs> the midget basketball league. <laughs> the, hey, don't say midget. That's not politically correct. Little I'm people. Sorry. Little people. The little people basketball would, league. <laughs> yeah, you get you get my newsletter, right? You get my blog, my my thing from AskLewis.com. Uh, I you just get my regular blog. I said there's a town in Florida. It was on it was on the, the news today. That are gonna, the town is going to close. It used to be the place where all the people who worked in freak shows lived. Fire eaters, midgets, two-headed ladies, bearded 500-pound people married to the lizard boy. They all lived in this one town. And they think that, that, that making it against the law to make fun of different people who are strange has ruined their culture. <laughs> it's like like people get corrective surgery now and don't have two heads anymore, and now they don't have any people that want to move to their town. It was a whole town of people who who worked in freak shows. So it just shows you so, 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 some one person's some one person's normal normalcy is someone else's do gooder. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, um, I was reading. I was, yeah. Oh, I I was going to give you a few minutes here um, to also share that you've got a retreat and B and B. That you. I do. Have. We. It's called the Catskills B and B and Retreat Center. It's a, it's a, at www dot the Catskills. That's Catskills with a C. The Catskills Bed and Breakfast dot com. We're in Stamford, New York up in the mountains, nice and snowy and beautiful. And and people come here to study with me. Um, 
Oh, we don't do big big groups. Uh, people come; they can just come and spend the weekend, and they can watch shaman movies and trickster movies, and they can just you know stay here and enjoy. And we do like stuff like vegan and gluten free, and uh, the only thing we don't we, we don't do food for breatharians. They have to bring their own air, but um, but everybody Man. else we 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 service, and. Um, <laughs> And that's it, you know. I mean, basically, you can see how I run my life. Uh, I've been told, I was told by the teacher who died and left me the guru of his community. I'm serious, that uh, that I would be real different than him. He was one of those like, no drugs, no this, no sex, no thing. I'm just say yes unless the cost is too high. But <laughs> but Lewis, but Lewis, see how I know if the cost is too high? Ruthless introspection, my friend. So yeah, so we have the Catskills bed and breakfast, and uh, at www um, the, the Catskills Bed and Breakfast dot com, or they can go to Ask Lewis. That's Lewis L A W I S, uh, and they can go to TrueHealer dot com to learn more about uh, studying with me if they want to. Not much more to tell them about it unless you want to throw anything in. I'm funny. I'm supposedly wise, and I'm 110 years old and look like I'm 30. It's amazing. <laughs> You you do. I see that in the pictures, and I did go in and look at your um, website at one point for the B and B because I was I was like wow that and that's actually I think how I first came across you was I saw something for the B and B, and it's beautiful there. It's I mean anybody who wants a, a great getaway, I mean it's it's beautiful. It is. It's 22 rooms, and, and you know what's really funny? This is real trickster stuff. Remember the TV show of Green Acres? Oh, yes. Where Eva Gabor looks out the window at the farm? Right. Well, guess what? Eva Gabor used to own this house, and it works on a farm. So I can actually stand in my window going, da 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 and if I'm really crazy, I could put on a blonde wig, a dress, and talk in a Hungarian accent and make believe I'm Eva Gabor. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Zaza was just 99, by the way. She's still alive, Zaza. <laughs> Darling. Jeez, yeah, she was really a personality character. That's for, yeah. for sure. She don't, yeah, she don't look that good now without makeup, though. <laughs> I, I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. Some ageist humor, some politically incorrect ageist humor. <laughs> anyway, folks, believe it or not, I am actually a respected spiritual teacher. I can raise your kundalini, raise your shakti, clean out your past lives, pick up your karma, and make you feel alive again. And I'm much more interested in the guy with shaved head and orange robes who goes like this, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Don't come and don't worry, everything's going to be okay. You'd definitely be a lot more entertaining to learn with. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, they have actually dressed me up in Indian clothes once, just so you know. They actually put me in rooms with a suit and in Indian clothes and suntan-like spray. And had me talk Indian South songs for like 20 minutes where anybody got what was going on. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That, that looks like hilarious. Lewis. That looks <laughs> like Lewis. Yeah, but he's wearing sapphire robes and shaved and he has a dot in his head. Yeah, but it looks like Lewis. <laughs> yeah, but Lewis doesn't have an Indian accent. Don't worry. I'm going to take a really good, beautiful, chapati, gulab jamal, it's beautiful. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, you got to be happy because, you know, like, what else is there? You know, be kind, be loving to yourself and love others. If you got too much emotional baggage, do some John Bradshaw in a child work. Do some primal screen, get rough, go in a flotation tank, uh, get someone to hug you, and, uh, you know, and just, like, live your life. There you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. It's it's all there. And this is this has been I think one of the most um funnest in a way <laughs> uh, <laughs> interviews that I've done on the air, uh just with these different pieces of, of everything you've been sharing because there's this depth and you've really shown that how we can go into a depth but we can still play and we can still have fun and the key to to it is remembering that it's our game. It's our yep, game. Yeah, it is. And the only one, the only one that was better than me was the guy that channeled Jesus. That guy was better. But other than him, I'm the best one you've ever had. I'm totally sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Can you do me a favor? I just want to hear you say it in the air. I'm so bad. Just say, Lewis, you're the best I've ever had. I'm kidding. You don't have to say that. You don't have to say that. But it was just a thought. It sounded like funny at the time. <laughs> it's a show where you can't say the a show where you can't say the f words. Jesus Christ! <laughs> this is this is great. I mean, you're a delight, and I love what you do. You got me serious now for like eight seconds. You know, you're great what you do. You bring light to people's lives, and you remind them of compassion, and you save lives, and you enliven people. It's, it's really great what you do. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, you thought I was joking, so you were waiting for me to like give you the punchline. There's no punchline. I was being authentic. <laughs> and and hopefully I'll start, you know, uh, lightening them up with some laughter and stuff, even more than just enlivening them <laughs> and making yeah. it one and the same in my game. Uh, yeah. But this, this has really been a blast, and and. I, I've definitely enjoyed having you on and uh, sharing this time with you and having you share your work. And um, yeah, I know you've thanks. got a lot going on. And, and definitely, and by, the way, should... by the way, pe- pe- if people want to get my newsletter, they can get a free newsletter. I go to my lewiscoaches at gmail.com. I send it out three, four times a week. Lewis, L-E-W-A-S, coaches at gmail.com. Say, send me a free newsletter. Don't cost nothing. Don't sell nothing. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. And and we mentioned chihealer.com, which they can get to through that. Asklewis.com, uh, thecatskillsbedandbreakfast.com, all ways to connect with you and to check out yeah. what you're doing. And all that stuff. I'm like the ADD guy who did good, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you work at such uh, follow, and, and I encourage people to go check it out because it, it's not only fun as we've been having on the show today, but... Um, you know, there's a lot of depth in what you share and discuss and everything, too. And it's a real learning experience to to delve into your work. So I, I yeah, say thank you so much for giving us your time today and sharing your work and sharing yourself with us and exposing us to the trickster. And, yeah, and, and a final thought, by the way, for all your listeners, imagine if all of this was just in a dream. <laughs> <laughs> Just a dream. Unless you're wearing oh, a digital man. watch. No. <laughs> Wait, yeah. You'll know if yeah, you're wearing the no, digital yeah. watch. But they don't know that. I, I know whether it's a dream or not, but I'm not telling you whether I'm wearing a digital watch, so there. <laughs> <laughs> that's your strategy. <laughs> yeah, that's my strategy. It's all about compassion. 
If there's someone right now that hasn't laughed for a couple of years, they laugh today. Exactly. Well, this has been refreshing for me, and I've just, um, uh, you know, really enjoyed the the timing and and having the show. Like I said before, really open up on the tour aspect. Yeah, this was for me too. It was magnificent. I feel so delighted to be here. <laughs> well, maybe the wind may the, may, may the wind be at your back <laughs> as you stay in Ireland. <laughs> We've been talking with yeah. Lewis Harrison today, and Lewis again. Thank you so much, and uh, much much appreciation Thanks. for everything. I look forward. Thank you. God bless and be well. May the light be with you. <laughs> and the force bye with bye. you. <laughs> yeah, bye-bye. Lots of love. Thank you. And uh, just to let you know, coming up next week on our show, uh, I have Carrie Cannon coming on, and she's going to be sharing her work in Conscious Attunements. My books on relationships are out, matter of fact, for a couple of more days, like today and tomorrow, because we're right at the end of the month. You can still get the ebook version of You, Me, Life Dreams for only 99 cents. Head on over to my website for that, jessianennicholsgeorge1.com, and I'll be putting up a new special uh, coming up after that uh, as well. So you'll have to check out the website and and see what that's going to be. Uh, in a couple of days as well. I have a lot of events going up for 2015. Coming up the next two weekends, I'm going to be in Ojai, California at Soul Centered. Uh, I will be in the San Francisco Bay Area doing a um, Spring Equinox Adventures of Integration Weekend there. I'll then be headed up to the Portland, Oregon area doing uh, some work there with Healing Waters and Sacred Spaces and also doing an Adventure Day there and uh, doing Adventures of Integration Day in the Leavenworth, Washington area. From there, I'll be headed over to Denver, Colorado, and uh, doing some work there at Knickknack Nook. And um, from there, I'll also be making a stop in South Dakota, maybe Kansas City, Missouri, going on into Galesburg, Illinois. I've also got events that will be coming up in Traverse, Michigan. And then I'll be back on the coast uh, range towards Connecticut, Maryland, uh, that whole eastern range back there. Pennsylvania, I'll definitely be going back to uh, Enlightened Path again. So watch for me. I'm going to be all over the place, and I'm sure I'm going to be in an area near you. So you can find those online as well as for our shows, uh, all great sections of the universe of our weekly show on there that you can archives. Um, that wraps it up. Don't forget on Main Street throughout the nights. We have Ray Burke doing astrology. Today's is Susan sharing herbs and nuts. Wednesday nights we have Daniel and Janice on our flagship show, and that is backed by Spiritual Insights with Darren Bouquer, who's a reader at Madame Laveau and Janice's show for Time Woven who I have come to Gemini on show one month on the network. So that's a great thing. And this is Ann Nichols. Thank you so much for being here today. And thanks to all of our listeners, not only on Blog Talk Radio, but those streaming live on Penn, known as Pair Encounters Network, StreamFinder, and Talk Stream Live, as well as those catching our podcasts on iTunes and TuneIn.com, and those catching the YouTube version of the show. I look forward to seeing you back here 
next week as we delve more into activating compassion. Don't forget that if you've enjoyed my show today, share it with others. It's going to be available at the same link in our archives. And I'm going to leave you today with the song Yearning For, also known as Over and Over by Shemshai. Thank you so much. And I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on Activating Compassion Radio. May you enjoy the rest of your weekend and have a truly amazing week. And if I could see what makes me blind, I would soar to the edge of my mind. And to touch what seems unreal, just to show you the way that I feel. And we are in time with time, one with season of change inside. And we are in tune with the tune. Caught in a balance of sun and moon Oh, deep inside The light within Shining to show you It's it to begin When all I have Is all I need I will soar to the edge of eternity Okay.
Still burning, the love is still burning deep in your face. 